excited to be able to uh, bring God's word this morning. Um, if you uh, if you remember, we we announced prayer uh, this past week at eight forty. We started that this morning. Forty, give an invitation again. We're going to continue to do that weekly um, at eight forty. Well, we meet we met uh, out here this morning and just continuing to say, God, as you lead us uh, in the Spirit, um, we're praying for encouragement and unity together. Uh, prayer is a vital piece of that, so excited to continue in that rhythm together. Uh, and as a heads up, at the end of our message this morning, we're going to have communion. So we're going to get to enjoy um, uh, sit the, the table together and uh, in, in celebrating what Jesus has done uh, for us and, and sitting in um, that sacrifice that he's made. So I uh, look forward to that. But we are in our Invisible series. Hard to believe we're in week six. Uh, we have uh, been sitting in this conversation of, of God helping vi- make visible his Holy Spirit presence in us. Uh, and we're going to continue that today. We've been carefully working through 1 Corinthians 12 um, and Paul's to the Corinthian church. Um, if you are just joining us, I want to give some refreshers, or uh, if you've been in this series the whole time, man, can we celebrate what we've been seeing about the Holy Spirit with the idea that we can continue praying for these things, that we continue praying that our body grows in this, that God is present with us through the Holy Spirit daily dwelling in us. May we not forget that as we um, walk through our week, our day. May we always be aware of his presence in us. That's the first thing we've seen, that through the Trinity, the, God's unity is displayed in diversity, um, in, in that uh, every follower of Jesus is, is given the Holy Spirit and the giftings, that we each have a gift, uh, which is an ability empowered by the Holy Spirit and used for the church to build itself, to, to, to glorify God. And anytime it's used, it testifies to the presence of God in us. Uh, we are seeing that there are many spiritual gifts. I'm not even convinced or sure that uh, Paul lists all of the possible gifts in which God uses in us uh, in Scripture. But we are moving through one of those passages, this 1 Corinthians 12. But if you wanted to look, you can write this down. There's other passages that talk about giftings. Romans 8, um, you, or I'm sorry, Romans 12. You also have Ephesians 4. And some of the gifts are mentioned again or overlap. Uh, so we're continuing this study. And, and we're united in our different giftings, as, as Ray preached a few weeks ago, that there is this just yearning for the common good, that it's not about ourselves, that we don't elevate ourselves with um, our gift uh, over someone else, that we don't devalue. But we're praying that as God gifts us, that it all works in unity so that we can value each other even more and be blessed uh, by God through each of us. Um, and so today, we are, uh, last week, we are, so we're in week six, we actually talked about one of the gifts so far specifically, uh, prophecy. So Drew uh, went through that uh, sermon last week. It was encouraging. And today we're going to talk about two more, um, speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Uh, this is not a, uh, a sermon I've heard a lot of, a lot of people t- <laughs> preach through. So I'm excited to be able to see what does God's word say about this. Um, and so with all of this, this refresher, may, can we pray fervently for um, this body as we grow in the Spirit's work within us? Um, whether that be in our, our smaller circles, DNA groups, personally, in our time on Sunday morning praying. Uh, excited about uh, all the conversations I've already been having <laughs> with, with, with so many of you about what you're starting to discover about your excitement in uh, how God's graced you with, with gifting, or you see that in someone else. So let's uh, read our passage, and then I will pray for us. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to read 1 through 5. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building, for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. 
the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Let me pray. God, this, this message this morning is um, just in surrender to you and to your word. God, the preparation that I've made for uh, speaking on um, the giftings this morning of tongues and interpretations of tongues. Um, God, I pray that you would take that and, and speak what you would have. God, that we would um, see as Nerissa prayed that we would discern your word um, and that you would uh, continue to give us grace as we walk through uh, especially topics like this today that have so much, such variety of perspectives. Uh, and Lord, we just want to glorify you in uh, obedience to your word this morning, uh, that you would grow us in this, that we'd be willing to have conversations and excitement around the way that you uh, have chosen to make yourself uh, available and known to us. Uh, thank you so much for the word that guides us. In your name, amen. All right, so uh, talking about the, the gift of tongues, I thought, man, Drew's uh, illustration a few weeks ago probably should have been mine, so I'm carrying that idea. Uh, Drew, if you missed his sermon, talked about, as we look at Scripture, um, there's a lot of, of perspectives on, on the giftings. Are all the giftings available? Um, have some ceased? And he kind of talked about this. Uh, if we biblically are convinced that the, the gifts are available to us, that God hasn't um, ceased all of these gifts, that there is this messiness um, that we embrace, not, not because we're careless, but because we're willing to say we trust the Spirit to, to grow in these things. And that's not just with tongues or what some would say miraculous gifts. That's all of our gifts. We trust that uh, in teaching, that it doesn't become careless, that it doesn't become um, something that is, is misused. There's messiness all around when it comes to us human beings. Um, and he said that his, his uh, grandmother told him, cooking is messy. You can't be afraid to get messy. There's a good food in a messy kitchen. Um, and so that, that idea I wanted just to, I thought was good to start with, that, that with the gift of tongues, um, this isn't something that, that we aim to be careless, dismiss God's word with, dysfunctional, or operate even in fear, uh, but that if we're convinced biblically that none of these gifts have ceased, that, that we can embrace what God has for us and trust them with that. Um, and so specifically, the messy kitchen uh, example here is helpful because Paul, in his letter, is addressing some things that got out of hand. If we're thinking about a messy kitchen, I mean, the microwave, the soup has been sitting in it for too long, and it's like just kind of done the whole like everywhere. Like the spaghetti is hanging off of the ceiling, and like you're slipping on sauce as you walk through the, the kitchen, and it is... Uh, so messy and out of control that like like a good meal is, is very much hindered, that it's like hard to, to move forward. And Paul is coming into this scene. He's writing this letter to the church. As Ray mentioned, he's pretty aggressive at times. He's just like, yo, what are you guys doing? He's been dealing with sexual immorality in the church of Corinth. Uh, and then he's looking at in, in, verse, in chapters 12, 13, and 14, he's, he's addressing the spiritual giftings and how the Corinthian church misuse specifically uh, the gift of tongues, that they were promoting a gift to the forefront in their gatherings uh, in such a way that was unhelpful. It was hindering. It was like not able to be understood. And the advancement of the gospel was, was bypassed because they were selfishly wanting to display something that just was a hindrance. We see Paul give a recipe, which which is what uh, I'm thankful we get to lean into today is what's his instruction for this gift to the, to the Corinthian church? Uh, what does he say um, that is required for them to uh, continue forward in health, not to stop altogether, not to stop cooking, not to enjoy the presence of God through the various giftings, but what is his guidance in that? And, and that's what I take great comfort in doing this morning. That's my goal. Um, scripture is primary here within our church. In, in um, this past week's study, I, I heard from Matt Chandler. He said, uh, the sign gifts are in glad submission to the word of God. Um, and I thought, man, that, that's so helpful that uh, there is a sword in my office that when I was ordained uh, into to ministry, um, reminds me every time I study, every time I look back, that uh, I, I never want to 
to bypass what Scripture says, what God's Word for us has to say. And that, that guides us in um, challenging ways. <laughs> that's, that's what, uh, even in this idea of continuing in um, all the giftings be available, it's because of a conviction from what I see in God's Word. And there's grace if we land on different sides of that. Uh, but we hold Scripture to test everything here within this body. It's never something that is not going to be a foundation for us. So I've been wrestling through this text, these passages. So my observations on tongues um, will be based on what I believe God's Word says here. Um, and that there's just, I, I think there's just always going to be a tension between what God's Word says. And there doesn't have to be a tension, but... Uh, sometimes there's a tension between what God's Word says and, and holding the Scripture and, and uh, also what God does in the Spirit. And I believe that there should be a tension, but there's this unity that God, uh, when we see the giftings used, actually draws us closer to Him and what His Word says. So um, transparency for me on tongues, um, I approach this with, with like humility and uh, sensitivity because we all have different experiences with this topic. Again, I don't know that I've really sat many sermons on it um, in my experience. And uh, there's a wide range of beliefs within uh, even those that believe the giftings continue on how it should be used and practiced. There's extremes on both ends. Some just say this can't be happen at all. And then some would say this has got to happen for salvation or this has got to happen uh, for all believers all the time. Uh, and so, so that's why I think it's just going to be so good for us to go through God's Word and see what, what it says. Um, we all need grace in this topic. Um, I've, like, why I think I've struggled with this topic in the past and why I think sometimes it's easier to, like, just dismiss it all together or not even, like, um, consider what God's Word has. I, I, I'll just say, like, two things that might be helpful for you that I was reflecting on myself. Um, I tend to doubt things that I haven't experienced. I think there's uh, a biblical con convincing that we can have, conviction that we can have about something, but there's also sometimes that experience that if we haven't had it, uh, it's easier just to say, ah, I'm just going to disregard it. And, and I challenged myself this week that um, just because I've never personally spoken in tongues doesn't mean I can't talk about what God's Word says about it, encourage it, but that uh, His Word gives us all the guidance that we need and there are plenty of aspects in my faith that I haven't personally necessarily experienced, but I still believe God does. There's other uh, things that we're going to talk about with the giftings through the rest of our list that I might I'm not have experienced those giftings as much as you have. Um, and so that's why there's this, this unity and grace that we have with each other as we learn. The second thing is I tend to doubt things that seem strange to me, things that are weird. <laughs> Uh, I'll just be honest, like this topic, uh, tongues, uh, just at first glance is a strange thing. But as I, I've sat and considered and, and over several months here, as we've just been praying over this whole, um, this whole passage, um, it's not a valid reason to, to not embrace what God's word has to say about that, that God has always worked in supernatural ways. When I sat and thought about that, there, let's be honest, like there are a lot of weird events all throughout like scripture, all throughout our, our core belief in who God is. Like from, from the very beginning, like God spits in mud and he, uh, you know, uh, forms us in his image. There's um, donkeys that talk, there's, there's burning bushes, there's seas that part. Jonah sits three days in a, a whale. Like, our belief in God is very much supernatural, and he's always worked in supernatural ways. And so for me to, to disregard something because it's strange is, is, doesn't really line up. And then when you, on top of that, when you look at God's word and you see that throughout, uh, in the beginning of the New Testament church, like, speaking in tongues, which is actually a normal way in which God would reveal himself, make himself available, um, it actually does, it feels less strange when you, when you sit and realize that. Um, for me, as I've wrestled through this topic, it comes down to a faith perspective. Um, do we believe the Holy Spirit can move and speak in supernatural ways? Um, and, and again, we'll have grace with where you land on that. But here's my, here's my um, argument. Let's jump into what we see from God's word on what the, the gift of tongues 
can be, that it's a good thing. That's my heart today, that we see it as a good thing. And my first point for that is speaking in tongues is a reminder of God's presence in a form of praise. Speaking in tongues is a reminder of God's presence in a form of praise. Uh, before we get into all the cautions of Paul, we, we read that first five verses, it kind of feels like a roller coaster. <laughs> He's like, speak in tongues, but don't speak in tongues, and prophecy's better. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, um, I thought, man, can we consider, uh, along the thought of just how God's always worked in supernatural ways, this idea, I, lay, I don't know if this is even a term, but redemptive reversal of languages. <laughs> can we consider uh, from from way back in God's narrative in Scripture, back in, in Genesis, we see this, this sin and rebellion that at one point we were perfectly with God, communicating with him in the garden, and sin separated us from him. Pride and selfishness drew us away. Uh, there's a story called uh, the Tower of Babel, where we see God first just disperses the world into different languages, and there's this separation even more, these language barriers um, that that we still experience today. And then we move forward throughout a, a lot of redemptive history in God's Word, I know. But then we get to Pentecost, and we see this like moment where, where God in... Um, the preaching of God's word, but also in a moment of tongues when the Holy Spirit comes upon uh, believers for the first time, introducing this Holy Spirit age that we are in, a way in which he, God does that is through this speaking of tongues, through uh, these apostles speaking a language that they didn't know, but the hearers understood. And, and God loosens their tongues in a way that enabled uh, those around them to understand the praises of God. And uh, it says that after uh, they, they preached that people came to know Jesus. And then we fast forward, and as we're in this age and we're relying on the Spirit and His Word and His presence with us, we look forward to His return. Jesus is returning. We're celebrating that um, uh, constantly, that we were looking forward to His return and anticipating that and knowing that that's going to be a beautiful time. And, and if we read Revelation 7, 9 through 12, we see again that, that language is no longer a barrier in that moment. Can I read verses 9 through 12? After this, I looked. And so this is uh, talking about what heaven will be like. It says, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and, our, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. What a scene it sends chills to me to think about one day being with him, with people from all nations and all tongues, but all speaking praises to him. And, and there's something about just that idea where I, I, I look at this stage, this season that we're in in, in in history, that we're in this already, like we've already experienced the goodness of God's kingdom through Jesus, but haven't yet experience the fullness of that, where, where sin is uh, completely free of the world, where sickness is no longer um, around, where we're face-to-face -face with Jesus? Could it be that there's these moments in which God shows his presence as we await his return, that, that even through language, he loosens our tongues in moments to testify to him, to, to reveal his power over even the language barriers and, and to say, uh, and here's something that's only of me. And so we get a glimpse of his unity of language that will be found in heaven, that we get a glimpse of his presence as we await. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And we look forward to that day face to face. But until then, we get to enjoy the presence of the spirit that displays God's kingdom in the world. That kingdom breaks through our lives and displays for the world to see. And this gift of tongues is is, uh, nothing more than that. This is any time God's blessed us with speaking in tongues. It is a sign of his presence among us through the Holy Spirit that will spur us, what I believe biblically, will spur us to praise. Um, So definitions, and then we're going to get into what we see in these passages. Definitions, speaking in tongues, just so we can kind of have a a reference point from everything I see is prayer or praise spoken in syllables, not understood by the speaker. Uh, That's quotes by by Wayne Grudem. And then interpretations of tongues would be the ability to understand someone who is speaking in tongues and can communicate that message to the church. Um, From everything I've read from uh, perspectives in, in Experiences. This word could be a word-for-word translation. This word could be a summary. This word could be a few words, uh, but is is giving and communicating what what God has for us in whatever that praise, that prayer of tongues was. Uh, where can this be found in Scripture? We see three times in the Book of Acts, um, and then we see First Corinthians twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, and then there's a few other passages. I've mentioned Acts 2, so Pentecost. The presence of the Holy Spirit fills the believers for the first time and initiates the presence of the Holy Spirit for all believers. It's in this moment. Um, I already kind of described it, so let me read it. It says in verse 3 of Acts 2, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own language? Uh, I'll skip down to the end there. It says, We hear them telling in our tongues the mighty works of God. Um, Some things I highlight there is it specifically says, um, Other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance hearing them speak in his own language. Um, And then, as I said, it's prayer or praise. At the end there, we see they are hearing the mighty works of God. Uh, We see this again in Acts 10, where Cornelius is uh, in a house full of his companions, and they begin speaking in tongues, uh, praising God. It says in verse 46 of Acts 10, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And, And God uses this as a sign to Peter Uh, and the apostles, that the Gentiles were now part of of God's plan, that the the gospel was not excluded um, to just, it wasn't just available to the Jews, but for all people. And so God uses tongues in that moment uh, to praise him and to be a sign to them that uh, God's redemption was moving to all people. Uh, And then in Acts 19, we see disciples praise God in tongues after their conversion and baptism. And so I notice as I read these uh, in Acts that all of these examples are these praises, these Godward prayers, these praises as as tongues came upon them. Uh, I also know that, and we want to recognize that these are foundational moments in the apostolic movement of the church, that as God uh, ushers in the Holy Spirit, as he establishes a church, uh, we don't discredit that this is like God is using tongues very specifically in these moments um, in that uh, affirmation of what he's doing, uh, that many come to Jesus in those moments. Uh, And so if we look at those alone, I think uh, we're wondering, is that just for that season or uh, is it for us today? And and so I think that's where 1 Corinthians 14 shows us even more examples of uh, this was actually given for the church as well, that God still makes this gift available to his people. And 1 Corinthians 14.2 says, so another, uh, this is our, our main passage we're going to sit in. Verse 2, for one who speaks in a tongue, this is Paul speaking, 
uh, speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Okay, so we read that. And I see again, from Paul's perspective, that tongues speaking is a form of prayer. That uh, Paul is, is not um, saying that it's anything else. If we continue reading in verse 14 through 16, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is fruit unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? So if we were to like highlight, okay, we're observing what Paul says about this speaking in tongues. Um, he's speaking to a, a church of people. He's not just saying, uh, this is just my own experience, but he's saying uh, he's giving them guidance in this speaking of tongues. What are some observations that we make just in those verses we read? And so in Acts, we see there, there are always praises. And in these verses, we see uh, that it's a prayer. We see uh, that it's a form of worship. Verse 15, that he's praising with both his mind and his spirit. I'll be honest, I don't completely understand how that happens. Like I said, some of this I haven't experienced in that moment where um, God loosens your tongue to, um, to speak something that is a, not a language you know. Like I, I don't know how to explain that myself. Um, but uh, from everything I see here, when, when God does that, uh, somehow it's, it's, it's praise and prayer to God. You might not completely understand what you are saying if you're not able to interpret that, but it, uh, we, we believe that the Spirit is through you praying those praises to God. Um, and then if we look further, we see it's a form of thanksgiving. Verse 15 is um, saying that you're thanksgiving uh, say amen to your thanksgiving. So describing it as that. So just trying to observe what is the definitions here that we have. And I, I see it as a Godward prayer or praise. I don't see it typically as this um, bird, like this outward message, but Godward in a prayer or praise and somehow that the spirit loosens the tongue to utter those praises. Uh, I also want to recognize that it seems to, to, to me that there's like various kinds of tongues in this way, that the, the tongues that we see in Acts, uh, at least specifically in Pentecost, it's known languages that the speaker didn't know. That uh, he's speaking, uh, maybe it's Spanish, but he's not a, he doesn't know Spanish at all. I know like no, no other languages in English, so uh, that would be pretty impressive. I have heard um, stories of this. This is the one that Drew's mentioned as of, re uh, as of recent that... Uh, you know, one of the even pastors of Bedrock has been speaking like in a foreign country and um, didn't know that language well at all, but God loosened his tongue to, to be clear. And the message was heard. The, the praises in the, the uh, scripture that he was proclaiming about God was understood in a way that he couldn't have done on his own. So I believe God does that. And I've heard stories of that. Uh, but then you also see in Paul's description, these forms of prayer and praise, it seems to be something um, that, that can be done even in private and prayer to God, that those are not necessarily a known language. Um, my goal with this has, has been not to try to add more than what I see in Scripture as I talk about this, but I do see that there's uh, the possibility that it's, it mentions in 1 Corinthians 13.1, talks about tongues of angels. Is it possible that there's these moments that when, when God allows us to speak in tongues, that it is uh, of that, uh, of angelic language that we couldn't know on our own. Um, you know, the English language was, has not been around forever. It's hard for me to remember that. And I, I've sat and thought, this is just me in my head. Again, I'm not trying to add more than is there, but it's like, there's a possibility that obviously God's communicated with angels far before the world and languages ever existed. So I'm like, I don't know what that looks like, but... I surrender that to you. Um, all that to say, speaking unknown syllables is, is what can also be a form of tongues is what I see here. And, and tongues can be spoken in a private prayer to God, like Paul explains. He practiced um, or with the church. Uh, so two, two ways I see it, in private prayer to God, 
And then if it can be something that's displayed within the church gathering, if there's an interpretation. So we're going to talk some, some about that. There's boundaries that, that he gives. Um, I think the first thing I want to say here is what's the purpose? That's what I've been searching for as I've, <laughs> I've been like, okay, what's the purpose of this? Like, like why, what do we see here is the purpose of, of this movement of God that he gives some of us with? I would say primarily, and I've always already kind of stated it, it's, it's, it's God revealing himself, his presence with us. It's a, a form of prayer and praise. Some of that could be thanksgiving, supplication, intercession. I, I'm not sure what the Spirit could utter within us as we are, are gifted in this way. And with an interpretation, it's used to build up the body. It's for the common good. That's the whole message of, of chapter 12. 13 and 14, if you were to circle in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, I think he says, talks about, he says the word tongues like 16 times. He talks about the word um, prophecy like 14 times. He's comparing the two. Uh, We're going to get into that. Um, But he also talks about building up, this idea of building up the common good that we see in chapter 12. That's mentioned over and over and over again. Again, that messy kitchen, they they brought this to the forefront when they weren't loving in the way that they were using it. So he's preaching that. He's saying, don't make this more than it needs to be. Um, so the purpose I see also is uh, self-edification, that the one who speaks in a tongue, uh, this is Paul's words in 14, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, um, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Um, and lastly, I kind of already said it, reminder of God's presence. It should be humbling anytime God displays a gift within us, whether it be a gift of teaching, whether it be just an encouraging word that lands uh, for someone in a way that you couldn't do on your own. Uh, In the same way, let's not exclude the gift of tongues in that, that it's God's humbling presence with us. It should never get to our heads, uh, which leads me to say what I believe from everything I've read, what tongues is not. Uh, It's not a sign of spiritual maturity necessarily. I'm not saying that those that are spiritually mature won't have the gift of tongues, but it's not just this only sign that if you're mature, you have this ability to speak in tongues. Just like the other gifts, from what I see, not everyone has it. And those that have it aren't more valuable to God than anyone else. Uh, Again, that applies to all. Uh, Another distinction, clarification that is out there that I want to make sure we make is that it is not a required sign the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not required when the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. We believe that is at the moment of faith in Jesus, that in the moment of conversion, we're... Uh, good, yep. Um, that at the moment of, of salvation where we place our faith in Jesus, uh, it's clear from Scripture. Yes, there's moments that we see the, Ho- the Holy Spirit allows gift of tongues, as we see in Acts. But there's all other passages that we see where, where that doesn't happen. The Holy Spirit's available to us uh, or to those that we see in Scripture, but it doesn't always come or have to be accompanied with this gift of tongues. Actually, I don't see that that is um, more of the norm uh, when, I, when I look at that. Uh, so I want to make sure we're clear on, on that. Uh, we bl- I don't believe from everything I'm seeing from this passage, and I encourage you to read through it, uh, a lot of this is coming from being in this passage for weeks, but it's not a fabricated or learned language. This is not something, in every biblical instance I see, this is a sovereignly given um, utterance by God through the Holy Spirit and His timing. I just don't believe that this is something that you're going to practice these words and it's going to come upon you. I don't, I don't believe that we, I think it's dangerous if we um, fabricate this in any way. What I, what I see, it just like any other gift, is that the Holy Spirit um, gives this in his timing by his grace. Um, and so trust him with that. If you desire it, pray for it. If you desire it, um, that's not a bad thing. That's, this is a good gift. I don't, I don't want us to be discouraged from from desiring God's presence in us through the Spirit, through the gift of tongues or interpretation. But uh, I don't see where 
it's uh, the, the ability for that is, is anywhere but from God. And then as we see, it's, uh, I don't believe it's an out-of-control and frenzied experience. Uh, that Paul description of this experience indicates that one will still have self-control, <laughs> that one will still have the ability to stop and pray for an interpretation, to speak in turn alongside others within a gathering, that Paul says it should be done at the end of this passage decently and in order. Um, and then lastly, I just want to say with any of these giftings, it's not, we're not going for like sign searching. I don't think a gift of tongue should be what you search for to, to believe in God or to uh, feel satisfied in your faith. I think it's, again, just another grace of his presence. But we have the word of God that is sufficient. It tells us everything we need to know about him. He's revealed himself to us. Like this, that's just why I say this is primary. We can't elevate something like a gift of tongues and, and that be what we search for before we actually truly trust who God is. That's a danger. It's a danger. And so there's this tension there. But Paul still says, even with all of that, to pursue it not to dismiss it or exclude it. So that's where we're at with, with that. Uh, point number two, speaking in tongues like all other gifts has the ability to be misused. The kitchen analogy I've, I've given already, the mess became a hindrance to a good meal. So Paul gives a recipe or essentially boundaries, um, like, yo, it can't look like this. <laughs> I'm glad that he, he does that. They had elevated it to that prominence. Um, it says in, in verse 13, or in chapter 13, he describes tongue speaking without the motivation of love as a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Like it doesn't have value. Um, if we look in chapter 14, again, he mentions uh, tongues eight times. He is contrasting his argument is contrasting uninterpreted tongues and prophecy. Get me, he's, he's contrasting uninterpreted tongues. Uninterpreted tongues. If it's a, a, a speaking of tongues in a public gathering without any type of interpretation, that's not helpful. And so he's contrasting that prophecy would be far more helpful, far more beneficial than just speaking um, something without any kind of clarification. So, uh, how did they misuse the gifts? They spoke in the public gathering without an interpretation. Like, that's just confusing. <laughs> uh, Paul is saying, like, essentially, an intelli intelligible language is far more beneficial than an unintelligible language. Uh, I think we're, we would all agree with that. Like, have you ever been in a setting where you just had no idea what anybody was saying? And, like, I don't know, you know, uh, what, what I'm doing here, but I, I have no idea what you're saying. Uh, he, he describes it as a noisy uh, gong or clanging symbol, 13.1. He goes on to give more illustrations, 14.7. He goes pretty heavy on this. Flute or harp, he says it's like a flute or a harp with, a, with an indistinct note, like these, these musical instruments that are playing these notes that are just uh, unfamiliar, unnecessary. It's like a war bugle with a random, unfamiliar sound that has no meaning. It's like a foreign language, uh, that illustration I just said. It's like speaking a foreign language to people that have no idea what you're saying. Um, a few, he says, a few in clear, understandable words are better than any unintelligible words. He says in, in 18 through 19, uh, he says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he doesn't, again, exclude this gift of speaking in tongues. He's thankful for it. It's actually a part of his uh, relationship with God. But he says, nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. It's pretty, pretty helpful illustration. He'd rather speak 10,000 words in a tongue, uh, or sorry, five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 in a tongue. So it's especially unhelpful when you carry this idea further. It's unhelpful for the believers in the room. He clarifies it's also really unhelpful for anyone that doesn't yet know Jesus. It's actually a negative sign for those that don't yet know Jesus. Let's read that. It says in 14, 20 through 25, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. 
Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law is written by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners. Will I speak to his people, this people? And even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but unfor- unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders are, or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if prophecy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convinced by all. He is called to an account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. All right, so to so help clarify, this, I've sat on this, this passage a good amount. Uh, to help clarify what he's saying is he's referencing Isaiah 28, 11. Uh, it's this uh, idea in which God referred to his judgment or chastising of his people by sending a foreign enemy that would speak uh, a language unknown to them, and it was a sign of God's judgment. So what Paul is, is, is bringing them back here to say is like, when you're in a gathering and the church is present and unbelievers are there, and you guys are just like carelessly like speaking in syllables unknown to anyone else, and there's no interpretation along with it, there's no opportunity for this to be displayed as praises and prayer to God, to display his goodness, then it's a negative sign to the unbelievers in the room. They're going to have no idea what's going on. They're going to they're gonna walk in and be like, this is weird. I'm out. <laughs> uh, that's so true. I, I'll be honest. This is my biggest fear with this gift. That it would ever get to a point where the praises of God, where his message is not available, and it's just this distraction, and it pushes people away from the core message that we're always going to preach here at Bedrock, which is, which is we're centered on Jesus and the gospel. We're, we're centered on, on his word and, and who Jesus is, and that tongues would never be in contradiction to that. That's what he's saying. God forbid that we ever place this gift above the advancement of the gospel like they did here, that they were selfishly speaking in tongues without interpretation that turned unbelievers away so we run the risk of that uh, if we don't take seriously Paul's advice or his guidance in saying, if it's in the public gathering, you should have interpretation. Um, and so, uh, again, I want to clarify, that is a lot on gift of tongues, and I know it honestly causes us to kind of be like, <laughs> but again, I just want to say that that is a risk we can run with any of these gifts. If you think about teaching and, and you think about um, dividing God's word in, in the many, many places that there's false teaching that can occur and misuse because there's selfish desires rather than what God's word says. That can happen. I was even thinking a, a gift of encouragement, if misused and, and uh, taken in the wrong way, you can encourage the wrong things. Throughout history, we've seen uh, the giftings of, of the Holy Spirit selfishly uh, kind of taken in, in pe- ways that uh, people uh, selfishly desire. My last point, point number three, speaking in tongues has healthy boundaries for the building up of the body. All right, so we move through kind of a definition, the caution, the fear, the misuse of it. So now we're like, okay, so what's Paul's guidance? What do we do with this gift, with these gifts? Uh, Boundaries can often be hated on. We don't always love boundaries, restrictions, guidance, but as we all know, they're healthy. They, they help uh, avoid the risk of overusing or misusing something. And, and so that was, that the boundary lines Paul gave us are helpful. It says in verse 26, What then, brothers? And thank you for keeping up. I know we're all over in this passage. I know it's easier just to be like, okay, let's read one through. But uh, there's a lot, of, a lot here. So, uh, again, I encourage reading through chapter 14 on your own. 26, it says, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation, let all the all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is one to interpret no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. As clear as day, <laughs> a guide uh, a healthy boundary, don't speak tongues without an interpretation. Uh and I would specify, I, I believe that this could be in private, something that you 
uh, enjoy from God. But I think if, if we're in a public gathering, there's no place for it without an interpretation. Uh, pray. If you don't know that there's an interpretation, uh, there's grace. We're, we're, we're going to learn what this looks like together. Uh, but it says, uh, his, his guidance is in verse 3, pray for an interpretation. Either by, this, like, you can pray for that as the, the speaker of tongues, God, that God would give you an interpretation of what that means, or uh, by someone with that gift. Uh, it, it could be within our body that God reveals over time who, who, who is gifted with a gift of interpretation and who is, is gifted with the, the gift of tongues uh, so that we have wisdom in how we, um, uh, how we cautiously walk through that gift but also embrace it. Uh, it says, don't have more than two or three speak tongues in a gathering at a time. Uh, that's verse 27. To me, that's, that's really saying don't make this the forefront. Don't, don't make this something that is uh, taking the, all the time uh, we see in 33 through 40, I get this idea, or 33 and 40, that it's not a static or sporadic, but in order, that as we have the opportunity that God blesses us with someone that has uh, the speaking in tongues and there's an interpretation, uh, he says, do it in order, like two, three, uh, that, that lends to me that there's this, this control, this self-control uh, that, that someone would have in this gifting. Any interpretation, um, or I said speaking in public ecstasy doesn't seem to be warranted here in Scripture. Uh, in fact, Paul's trying to discourage that. I would say any interpretation should support and continue like divine revelation from Scripture, not add or contradict. Uh, those are things we can test with as, as we walk through this gifting. All that to say, as we close here, with these boundaries, Paul still says this is a good thing. He still says, go for it. Don't get rid of it. Don't throw it out completely. He still encourages in, in verse 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and to forbid speaking in tongues, but all, or, and do not, I'm sorry, do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Paul says in the passage, I'm glad that God has allowed me to have this gift. So if you are here today and you are earnestly desiring the Holy Spirit and his presence, good, whether that be in the gift of tongues or, or just what, whatever we're all discovering he's gifted us in. And I don't want those that God's, like God's blessed you with this gift to feel like you have to hide or that it is a bad thing. I want to encourage you that I'm sorry. I know a lot of times this can get a very negative um, notion. I do believe we should have extreme caution based off what we see in Paul's guidance, but he does say it's a good thing, that we shouldn't be afraid to practice it. Uh, I do believe this takes time for us to learn together. Um, and whether you speak in tongues or not, it's between you and God and his purposes for you. That's up to him how he gifts this church with all of these giftings. It's my desire that we as a church keep the word of God as the foundation, Christ at the center, but we trust the spirit to lead us and control us and that we would give him control to speak as he pleases. Um, and as we're going to continue to see that above all, we keep love as the aim. that It doesn't become about ourselves. I can't tell you this morning how, how I should inspect, expect this to be displayed within this body. Uh, that's up to God how frequently that looks. I don't know that I see uh, in the other churches in, in Scripture that it's at the forefront. I see, we see that Paul shows caution. Um, could it be prominent? Possibly. Uh, but we are always, we're going to express the same restraint that Paul has. Um, it could be more regular than some of us might be comfortable with. Uh, again, we're surrendering that to, to God's timing and what he has. Uh, but he does seem to explain that the main focus of our services shouldn't be primarily tongues. Um, again, it's not forbidden, though. It, maybe a good place to start with this is, um, yeah, prayer. Praying that God would lead us in these, that we wouldn't hold back our, our desire that he gives us. Um, and if he does lead you in this uh, gift or the interpretation of tongues, our, our smaller settings of prayer uh, might be uh, the best place to start in that. I'm available, Drew's available to talk through uh, any of these giftings as we discover uh, these things together.
but in summary, the gift of tongues is given by God, God's grace to the church. It reminds us of his presence, increases our worship. When interpreted within the body, it builds us up in ways only the Spirit can do. Let's pray that God will give us obedience in pursuing the gifts together. Um, and then, lastly here, as we enter uh, kind of close, uh, I'm, I'm praying over this, this church as we grow in our giftings and the Spirit. At the same time, if you're here today and you have never uh, even placed or had a relationship with God, uh, that the, the idea that God's presence is with you or could be with you is um, amazing to hear. Uh, I, I just want to encourage you that, that God is uh, pursuing you, that he has made himself available in relationship through Jesus, his son. In a couple of weeks, we're going to celebrate Easter. And, and that's where we celebrate that we are a sinful people, that we're broken, that there was uh, that moment in the garden that has forever caused separation from us and God but that God has pursued us and made a way for his presence and relationship to be with us uh, through sending his son, Jesus, who, who's given his life on the cross. He paid the price of our sin by shedding his blood and breaking his body, but he defeated death. He defeated the grave, rose again, and he offers life through faith in him, uh, through a relationship with God now through the forgiveness that we experience through Jesus. And so we long for you to know that. We'd love to talk with you if you've never experienced a faith in God. And, and as you do that, he is going to bless you with his presence of the Holy Spirit and, and guide you. And we're going to continue to look more and more like him as we uh, are in relationship with him. So let me pray. Uh, and we are going to enter into our time of communion. Um, and I will, uh, yeah, the band will come up as I pray. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, your word and uh, the foundation that it is that we can um, ask you to guide us and lead us. And uh, Lord, the way your spirit is active through your, your revealed word to us. I thank you for the giftings and the ways that we're learning to, um, Lord, live those out to be obedient to uh, the Spirit's work in us. And Lord, uh, with a challenging topic like tongues with so many perspectives, I thank you that, that Paul and your word gives uh, guidance uh, and that you, uh, at the most basic level of this whole idea, is that, that you burst forth through your Spirit to display your presence with us. God, I long for us to experience that more and more. And thank you for the ways that we already do. I long for, Lord, those that don't yet know you uh, potentially even here today, uh, that they would experience your presence through uh, through Jesus, through what uh, you've done through your Son, and, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, defeating death and our sin. And thank you for this time where we get to celebrate that in communion, reflect um, on how we're living in light of that. In your name, amen.